Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic, what makes the best leaders so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another very special, as always, episode of the Hyperconscious Podcast. If you're watching this, you will see that we are not in our normal studio location. We are in an old house, and we are sitting with a client and a friend of mine, Mr. John Laredo. He is a leadership expert, and he's also the CEO of a financial firm, a wealth management company. So we wanted to talk to you about leadership and just a little a little background. So John and I have been working together to get his podcast going. I saw him record, record his first episode on what the podcast is going to be about. And I told Alan, like, yo, he just hammered it. Right. Like, nobody hammers their intro that easily with somebody else in the room on camera. And I was like, we got to sit down with him and, and talk about uh, leadership and everything else. So how are you doing today, my friend? Doing great. Awesome. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for having you, uh, having us in your home. Yeah, right. We're we're destroying everything. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think the best way to get it started is to say the first question is, who is John Laredo today? Before we go into like how you became who you are, who are you today? So I am. Uh, I, I lead Concord Wealth Management. So that's my my uh, role and day to day responsibility. Um, I'm I'm a guy who's just passionate about leadership, and I, I always have. And I'll I'll tell you a little bit about my story in a few minutes. But um, I really have a passion around learning leadership and helping people understand it. Mm-hmm. I think some people think that leadership is one of these things you either know how to do or you're born with it or born right. a great leader. Uh, or not. And, uh, it's not the case. Mm. You you can learn it. So, uh, that's my mission is to, uh, teach people how to be great leaders, better leaders. I love it. So how does, I feel like you probably don't fall into the financial like firm by accident. You don't fall into wealth management by accident. Was that growing up for you? What did you want to do? Like, did you have dreams and aspirations of ending up where you are? Was there something along the way? Was it your childhood that said, like, you know, maybe we didn't have a lot of money. I'm going to make sure that I manage other people's. Like, what what happened to you for you to, like, take those steps to where you yeah. are today? It's funny. Great question. So I had, um, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't actually know what it was that I was looking for. Um, but I wanted to, I definitely didn't want to be in any kind of job where I was sitting behind a desk all day or on a computer. I wanted to be around people. Mm. Uh, I wanted to be in, in some kind of role where I really had a big impact and felt good at the end of the day or at the end of the week that I was actually making a difference. Right. Um, and I wanted control. I wanted control over my future. Um, I've always been a type of guy who just busts his ass. And, and I, I love the thought of what you put in is what you get out. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I really wanted something that ha- gave me uh, control and flexibility over my time. You know, when I was growing up, my, I used to play baseball. My dad would come to every one of my baseball games and which was awesome. Uh, but the games were like three o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, it didn't <laughs> hit me as to how unusual that is mm. until I started thinking about and looking for a career. I'm like, well, most careers don't offer you that the, that ability right. to do that. So I was talking to a friend of mine in uh, college. We were getting ready to graduate. He's like, hey, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know, but here's what I'm looking for. And I uh, told him all those things. He said, you got to talk to my brother. My brother is a financial advisor, and he's actually in management. And that's what you're telling me is exactly what he has. So one thing led to another. I got an interview with him, and uh, and that's how I found financial planning. You know, growing up... Um, you know, I, I, we, we had a fantastic loving household and, uh, my parents and, and, uh, you know, my sister and, and, uh, at the same point, you know, I know the difference that financial planning can make, uh, for people for their future. And I wanted to be in a position where, Hey, I help people do things that they wouldn't be able to do without my help. So, uh, I know we would have probably benefited, uh, years and years ago from financial planning, like everybody who's never done it really would. And uh, so that's how I got into it. I love it. 
So I'm going to get right into the questions <laughs> yeah. that I've been thinking a lot about leadership. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed with leadership as well. I listen yeah. to one specific speech on leadership almost every day. I'd say every day, but I want to be authentic. It's pretty much every day. Yeah. And there's a lot of mistruths around what leadership is, especially when it comes to having a position of leadership versus actual influence. What do you think are the biggest mistruths around leadership um, you mentioned the 1% of people, 1% of leaders know these things. What are those yeah, things? That's a great question. So I think it's a few things. One is there's a lot of people that, ass that assume, that think that in order to be a leader, I have to be the smartest person. Mm. Uh, not the case at all. Right. A great leader does not have to be the smartest person in the room. They hire smart people. They surround themselves with smart people. Wow. Um, and I think one of the misconceptions is, okay, if I'm going to lead in anything, I've got to be better skilled or I've got to be the best person at that. If I'm going to be a basketball coach, I've got to be better than any of my players. If I'm going to lead an organization, I've got to know every single role and be better than any of those people in the role. Not the case. Right. Um, the best leaders are people that really tap into and understand people's potential. They create a really great vision, a powerful vision around where that organization or team or uh, group is going to get to. And they mobilize people. They help people do things that they would not have been able to do without their help. Mm. Uh, you know, three questions that people are always asking uh, when they're following a leader is, does this person care about me? Right. Um, can they help me right. and do I trust this person? Mm. So a great leader is a person who can really build that trust and show that they really care about that person. And at the same point, help that individual get to where they want to get to. And that's not always helping even directly. I don't need to know the answers to every problem or something that somebody is dealing with. I just need to really be a resource broker. I need to be able to connect that individual with other people that can help them. So right. as long as I can do those three things, that's what leadership is about. What was the, was there something that catalyzed you saying like, you know what, I want to learn more about leadership or did that come naturally to you? You know, I, I, I've always been fascinated by it. I think even in sports, you know, my, my coaches, I had certain baseball coaches that had a profound impact on me. Mm. Um, you know, I, I just even thinking back to uh, to high school, and I remember, uh, you know, quick story. I was I was the uh, bat. I was a pitcher, and I when I was uh, I, I would bat. I was I was a exciting person to watch. I was not the guy you necessarily wanted in a clutch uh, position because I probably <laughs> led the team in strikeouts, but I also led the team in home runs too. So I was always the guy swinging for the fence. And I remember it was like one of these key moments. Um, and I don't remember the situation, but it was like, you know, a vital part of the game. We had bases loaded. I came up and I could just see legitimately the expressions on my, my teammates' faces. Like, oh, <laughs> You know, the guy in first base, I'm like, okay. You know, as it is, I walked up to the plate. And I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't strike out. Please don't strike out. Please don't strike out. Right. And I just had all this bad self-talk. And um, and I remember my, my third base coach, my coach who was standing on third base, called time, called me over. I walked over and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to strike out. I'm going to strike out. And, mm. uh, and that my teammate who was on third, I walked up and he said, John, just hit the ball. And I'm like, oh, she's great. Thanks, man. That's <laughs> yeah, right. That's, I didn't even think Good about motivational that. motivational quip. <laughs> I didn't even think but about that. But my coach did something that was so brilliant. And he said, without skipping a beat, he said, oh, I know, I know John's going to hit the ball. But listen, John, when you hit the ball, try to hit it to right field so we can get in two runners. Mm. And immediately, immediately, my whole self-talk just changed. Because he had so much confidence in me. Assume it, hit just, it. it totally changed my mindset. And I'm like, yeah, I am going to hit the ball. I am going to hit the ball. And I am going to try and hit it to right field. Uh, so I stepped up to the plate with totally different mindset and confidence. And next pitch that came in, I hit it over the fence. Mm. And true story. And it was like one of these things. And I, I didn't even realize at the time that that was leadership. But that was leadership. Right. He took a moment where I had no confidence and really bad self-talk. And in, in a sentence or two, totally changed that and changed the outcome and changed my result, which then changed my confidence level. So it wasn't even about that moment, but it was about the ripple effect that that moment created. So that was one of my early memories. And I, I thinking back to that, I'm like, that's really cool. I want to be able to do that for other people. And that I think was, I don't know if that was the trigger, but that was one of the times I remember 
starting to be aware of this thing called leadership. It's interesting because Alan and I have talked about this. I had a very similar moment. I was a very good baseball player as well. And in Little League, I was up, but it was the other way around. Everybody expected me to get a hit. Yeah. And I ended up striking out on three straight pitches and cried my whole way home. Mm-hmm. It's almost like your coach, what he did was reframe the worst case scenario is you hit it to left field instead of right. Yeah. And then you were calm enough to say like, well, I know I'm going to hit it. I just don't know where it's going to go. So that that is a really good example of leadership. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good example. Well, it's interesting because you, you would like to, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot is the importance of learning how to lead yourself. And when you learn how to do that, it makes leading other people uh, much, much easier. But right. that's what it comes down to is being able to change your own thoughts. And, and that, you know, we were talking about that before, Alan, how the thoughts line up could then create the actions. And those actions are either in alignment or not in alignment with your goals and your values. Mm. Um, but that's the beauty of leadership is, is an external person can help you do that. Right. You know, we can't, nobody can control what I'm thinking right. or even what I'm saying or what I'm doing. Those are the three things we all control. Nobody can control them, but other people can influence that. Right. So it's just this, fascinating you know concept what's a go ahead so i was gonna so if you were to ask alan like or me because i know more about fitness than he does believe it or not (laughs) Um, how do i how do i lose weight right we could write out a five-step plan like this you know eat less than you blah 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 burn more calories blah okay when it comes to leadership and somebody says they come up to you and say john i want to be a better leader Mm. what advice do you give them like i'm a tactician i like Give me five ways to do it. I'll do it. Like that's that's how my brain is. So if I came up to you and said, John, I'm really struggling leading my team. What are three to five ways that I can become a better leader starting today? Great question. So, you know, I, there's a there's a number of different ways you can become a great leader, and you have to really embrace everything. If you really truly want to become a great leader, there's tons of resources and ways to do it. Now, one is learning from reading. I mean, I, mm. I devour books. I've read just about every leadership book I can get my hands on. Mm. John uh, Maxwell, I'm, big fan. John, of John Maxwell, Maxwell, huge yeah. fan. I mean, he was the guy that I grew up in leadership with. I mean, just studying and reading everything. Yeah, unreal. Um, you know, I'm working on writing a book right now uh, because I think that's another way you can learn is by teaching. Uh, but the other way is, you know, you you learn a lot and can learn a lot from your own experiences, just like I shared with the coach. So when you are being led, taking a moment to be self-aware, you learn as much also from bad leadership as you do good leadership. We've right. all been in situations where we had a bad coach or a bad teacher or a bad leader. Oh yeah. And it, and it affected us and we can see what went wrong, you know, uh, with your own experiences, but also with others. Um, I'm always talking to people. I'm always asking questions. I'm just, again, fascinated by different situations. So even people, you know, people outside my organization that are in totally different industries or, or athletes or whatnot. Hey, tell me about what, what's the culture in your organization? What, tell me about the leader. What's, what's going well? What's not going well? What would you, what's the leader doing well? What, what are they not? What would you tell them to do differently? I mean, you can actually learn so much. Mm-hmm. So if you're living your life in this little Petri dish that is just your own experiences, you're missing the boat. You've got to learn from other people. And that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm doing the podcast, starting uh, the uh, Tomorrow's Leader podcast, because that opens up the door. I, I would read books, and they were awesome. And John Maxwell, unbelievable. But I'd always be left with questions. I'd be like, well, what about this situation? Or how about this scenario? Or what if this happens? What mm. do you do? And you can't get that from a book. But if I can interview great leaders right. and, and talk to other leaders that have been through those situations... That's how you can learn. And most successful people, as you guys know, because you guys bring you know guests on podcasts all the time, uh, most successful people want to give back, right? Oh, they yeah. want to share. They're never going to be like, nah, I don't want right. to go. They right. actually want to. Oh yeah. But most people. That's why they're leaders. Don't ask them. Yeah, exactly. Right. They're so uh, excited about it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and great leaders have always learned from other people. You know, they don't just learn from their own experience. Right. So, I think it's a combination of all all those. Yeah. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because this is something that I don't know if I want to say I struggle with, but I think I struggle to communicate to others the value of. So you have the past, the present, and the future. And I think that leaders tend to be future oriented. I know that I do. A lot of my time is spent in the vision of what I know could be. And I believe so deeply in people and in myself. And so 
my question is, how do you balance future orientation with present orientation? And how do you get someone else to see a potential in them that you see in them? Mm-hmm. And I think this is all, again, predicated on if you don't believe in yourself, what are the chances you're going to believe in other people? So yeah. you got to start there and lead yes. yourself. But let's yeah. say you are in a place where you believe so deeply in possibility and in potential. Mm-hmm. How do you communicate to someone who clearly doesn't see what you see, what's yeah. possible for them? That's a great, uh, great question as well. I think a lot of it comes down to you have to be really grounded in reality. Right. So uh, I, uh, on the onset of major breakthroughs is brutal honesty, literally. We were talking about this before, too. Yeah, uh, right. You know, Kevin, you were really honest. With, with you, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you have to. Really great you speech. Have to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how you get great. And, and so many people have this totally misconstrued notion of what their current reality looks like. Mm. So you have to be based in reality. I deal with all the time as a financial advisor. If you ask a client, hey, how much are you spending a month? They will always underestimate it. They don't have a grasp of their reality, but then when they track their expenses, they realize, wow, I spent a lot of, I didn't realize I spent that much going out to eat. It's like fitness too. Oh, same deal. Let's talk about your diet. Right. You know, I always have a better diet than that. I think than I, in reality I did. And then I'm, I look at the scale and I'm like, wow, I I like gained three pounds this week. And then you start thinking back, you're like, well, yeah, I did have pizza on Friday night. I did have three Big Macs on Wednesday, <laughs> right. and, you know, all this stuff. And then you're like, okay, so, but that's, <laughs> that's the first thing you have to help people really become honest with themselves and, and be honest with the present situation as to getting to their potential. You know, I think a lot uh, sometimes, sometimes people are really good. They, they, they have their potential or thoughts of their themselves is, is very big. And that sometimes can be a, a hindrance because they, they have too much confidence or they, right. you know, think that they don't need the help that they might need and their ego kind of gets in the way. Right. But you've got most people that don't realize how much they can do. Right. right. Exactly. And with that individual, I think it's, it's getting, it's tying back and giving, making them aware of the things that they don't see. Right. So it's, it's le- as much as giving them really direct critical feedback, you know, it's letting them understand, Hey, here's what you did. And here's why I think you have potential because when you were in front of that audience speaking, I don't know if you saw it, but the level of engagement right. from that group in the back, you, not only the group in the front, but the back, you had them glued in. And, and if we get you on a bigger stage, you're going to be able to do this. You're going to be able to, so right. I think things Planted like that, that seed of an even bigger. Yeah, exactly. But cut based on truth of present. Right, wow. right. And there's all kinds of different scenarios where, you know, tying in even other, you know, I, t- I talk to advisors all the time about uh, their own out of work uh, lives. Uh, for example, you know, I, I was playing uh, squash with, with an advisor and, um, you know, the way that he approached squash was awesome. He was so competitive. He was so, uh, like disciplined. He was so, and he was tough and he beat me all the time. Uh, he would dive. I mean, nobody dives on a squash court (laughs) and, but his work persona was totally different. And I'm like, I'm like, buddy, if you had what you have on the squash court, right. you have that in you. I see it. And right. I'm so, it's so awesome that I actually got to see this side of you. Right. Bring that into the workplace. Because if you applied that mentality to what you do here every day, you're going to go through the roof, man. Why do you think he doesn't? That's fire. And I see that all the time. Like yeah. Eddie on stage, it's a different human. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, like that's awesome. Yeah. Why do you think that happens on the squash field, but not in the workplace. Because I think people don't, two things. I think they think they need to be somebody different. I know I did when I started in financial services. I'm like, okay, I can't be myself. I've got to be this really stoic professional person and blah, blah, blah. Right. They don't realize that you have to be your authentic self. To win, right. And they also may not know what that looks like. So, you know, they're not going to be diving around the office and stuff like that. And that's <laughs> we, not the way we do in the studio. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, but, uh, John but, told me, you know. But you have to <laughs> let them know how they can show that. Listen, here's what playing to win looks like. So yeah, it's diving out there on the squash court, but in the office environment, what it is, it's about making extra calls. It's about asking for referrals. It's about coming in at seven in the morning instead of nine in the morning or eight in the morning, whatever, coming in an hour early. That's what, that's the equivalent of diving on the squash court. It's handling resistance. It's not being afraid to get no. 
that's the same equivalent. So apply that. You've got that in you. Right. You just got to bring it to the workplace. We just talked a little bit about, you said authentic. And I feel like leadership is changing, right? Because of people right. are changing. And the way you lead has to be different now. It's not, this is what you do. If you don't do it, you don't get paid. Right. Right. So I have a couple questions, many questions. But one is, why is authenticity and vulnerability and feeling so important now in terms of how to lead others? Mm -hmm. And in terms of insecurities, ever since I met you, I, you come off as a very, very confident man. Oh, yeah. You, I met you at Thanks. your place of business and you come down in a nice suit and it's like, oh, oh boy, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> but you come off as very confident, right? Not arrogant, very confident and very sure of himself. Has it always been that way for you or is that something that you had to kind of work on and flex throughout the years in order to kind of build that muscle? Uh, thank you. Uh, but no, it hasn't always been like that. And I have my insecurities the same way everybody does. Um, you know, it may not come out, but I worry about the same things that everybody else does. You know, what's this person thinking and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it wasn't always like that. I mean, I, I, or it, I, those insecurities manifested a little bit differently. So, you know, I used to have for 25 years of my life, I suffered from major panic attacts. Mm. Uh, and, and at one point, uh, in my life, I could not have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody that did not, that I did not know mm. because wow. I would turn beet red. I would start sweating. I, they look at me like, what, I don't know, I think I'm having a heart attack or something. Um, but I, and I, I couldn't figure it out. It, it drove me absolutely nuts. I didn't talk about it. I literally didn't even tell my family because I didn't even want to use the words panic attack because I thought it would make it worse. Right. I didn't want to admit it. Uh, literally up until last year, believe it or not, and I've overcome them uh, about 15 years ago or, or 12 years ago, but uh, I never talked about it with anybody. So, mm. you know, I, I think it's, it's you learn how, and I did learn how to have these hacks and how to, as I call them, panic attack hacks or things that you can do that, that help you in different situations. Um, and that's what's helped me. And you overcome little obstacles. Okay, now I got past the point of being able to talk right. to one person. And now that gives me a little bit more confidence. And then before you know it, you go from one step to another to another and your confidence keeps building. But, you know, I, I think a big thing with leadership, people want to follow people who are authentic. Mm. And being authentic means that you don't put up this facade. You're not trying to right. be somebody you're not. You're a real person. And that means every person, doesn't matter how great you are, you have flaws, you have weaknesses, and you have strengths as well. And uh, it's being open about that. And there's nothing worse than being led by somebody who's a mystery. You know, like we've all had people where it's like you can't quite figure them out. You know, oh, that, yeah. that's not a good thing mm. as a leader. Um, because what it does is it breaks the trust. I can't, I can't drop my guard with somebody that I can't really figure out right. or I don't know because then it makes me wonder like what's, I, I don't, they're inconsistent or I don't know what their agenda is or what their motives. Do they really, goes back to those three questions that John Maxwell talks about, you know, can, can, do they really, do you care about me? Right. So long answer to your short question, but <laughs> yes, I've dealt with all those insecurities. I, you know, certainly everybody does and I still do. I've, I've gotten better at managing them. Uh, and uh, over time, when you go through these overcoming these obstacles, just build your confidence. It's always my goal. And that's, I always say like in the podcast, like, all right, enough of the good stuff. Like let's get to the dark side yeah. just because I want to make sure that everybody understands that this I, and Alan and I do it in our solo episodes. Like, look, I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid. I hate planes. I'm afraid of this. I'm insecure about this. But I think it's important because once you share your insecurity, you realize you're not alone. Mm -hmm. It's like everybody has that card, but they're hiding it. And when you show them your card, they pull theirs out and say, oh yeah, I feel the same way. Absolutely. I feel the same way. So I appreciate you sharing that with me. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. I'm, when I started talking about panic attacks, it's unbelievable how many people, even in my friends, family and this, uh, network work people that have said the same thing. Yeah, right. Deal with them too. Yeah. Right. Once, and and once you're a you speaker say it, too. Right. You, just, you were telling us before you, you were in front of 3,000 3, people. Right. Yeah. What that also does is allow people to say like, well, hold on, wait, wait. I wanted to be a speaker, right. but I have, I have panic attacks, so I can't. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, no, you can. Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit harder yeah. right, than it would be for somebody like Alan who you know, doesn't get performance anxiety or doesn't worry about that. Mm -hmm. right? But you can still do it. You can right. still do it. So, mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah. That's huge. That's mm -hmm. huge. So one of the things I wanted to bring to the listeners real quick is 
that squash story you told about there's something out there that you do where you're like fully authentic self, like fully passionate, fully engaged, and you're like a rock star at. What if you brought that same energy? Like me in the gym alone, there is nothing that I'm in complete flow and I just crush it. So whatever that thing is for you, what if you brought that same level of tenacity, work ethic, discipline, sweat equity into another arena? What would you be capable of? And most likely, whatever that thing is, everything we are good at, we learned to get good at over time. Like mm-hmm. no one was phenomenal at something on their first podcast episode. Mm-hmm. So whatever that thing is, just bring that version of yourself, that alter ego to a new passion and see what happens. That's yeah. just something I wanted to bring. Yeah. But now I have a question for you. So sure. I think we all have a kryptonite and it's become more clear now that I'm like almost 300 coaching calls in. One-on-one coaching has really changed my life more than I tell my clients, like especially my female clients, I've learned more from you guys than you have uh, from me for sure. And I feel like we all have a kryptonite. One of my clients' kryptonites is not being able to express her truth to people she doesn't know yet. And you just described that as something you've struggled with in the past. And now you can speak in front of 3,000 people. My kryptonite is definitely the ego, the thinking I'm better than I am type of thing, which we Mm -hmm. talked about not being rooted in reality. Mm -hmm. His is self-doubt. So what is your kryptonite? Um, Is it what I just said? And how did you overcome it over time? I would say a couple of things. I think um, part of it is self-doubt. I think everybody has it. Uh, it is hard to push yourself outside your comfort zone. Now, I'll be very honest with you. Doing a podcast, you know, Kevin, you and I talked about this. Mm-hmm. This, this is a big fear factor with that with me because it's something I've never done. Um, you've got all these kinds of thoughts of like, okay, well, how, how are people going to respond? Are people going to like it? Is it going to come across the right way and this and that? And it's a whole new endeavor. And, you know, I'm the type of person, I don't like to go down a road. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go halfway. I want to go. And if I'm going to do it. So, so for me, it's just overcoming that and pushing, forcing myself to go outside the comfort zone. Right. Uh, but I think that just the self-doubt always, you know, is always going to creep in uh, it, as much as you about the unknown, um, as much as you have confidence uh, and you just have to really block it out. I think that's what, you know, I just I just push myself. And yes, you realize you can, you can also start to separate out what is a real obstacle or just an excuse that you're putting in your mind. Right. Uh, How you do know. you do that personally? Because uh, I feel like we all struggle with that. Yeah, for sure. So I know I do. I, I think you have to just circle back and think about it and say, okay, what is preventing me? And again, with the, the podcast, what is preventing me from doing this? What is slowing me down? Well, okay, I've got to do this or I've got to do that or I'm not sure if this is going to work. And I remember going through the exercise and saying, you know what? That That's just me putting up a, a that's an excuse. That's not really <laughs> that's an the issue. BS right this there. is a yeah. BS factor. <laughs> so let me just push it aside. That's just me being afraid right. and not willing to step outside the comfort zone. Mm. Uh, I think you just need to take that exercise to, to even list it down on paper. What are the things that are popping in my head that's preventing me from doing this? <clears throat> if I want to take on a new endeavor, a new sport, I want to... Uh, present at a conference if I want to do whatever and I haven't taken the steps to do it. That's the key thing. If I haven't taken action toward that, there's fear then there's somewhere. some reason that's blocking that, right? right? So I have to figure out what is going on in my head because it's all coming up here, right. coming from here. What is preventing me from taking those steps? If right. I say, you know, how many people at the beginning of the year say they want to get into shape and, and you go to the gym and you'll see the, the thing, the, the parking lot is packed. Right. For the that first couple of weeks, and then it slows down, and then people give up on their on their goals. What are the reasons? What is getting in the way, and what are they saying to themselves that prevents them from putting their gym shoes on, their clothes, hopping in the car, and going to the gym? Because uh, there's something that's happening that's, right. that's happening. So I think you just have to become learn how to become self aware. That's that's something you can learn how to do. Hyperconsciousness, well, some would say. Yeah. Right. <laughs> One thing I enjoyed about you is you're you're very good at being a like the student. And right. how do you stay so, like, how do you practice humility? Because again, like when you're at work, you're the guy, like you are the leader, right? You're mm-hmm. the guy. How do you turn that on and off? Like when you met with me, you're like, just so you know, I don't know anything about this. Yeah. And you have like, he brings out his notebook with all his questions. It's like, hell yeah. Like, hell yes. Right. I'm all about that. Yeah. How do you practice that humility of saying and, and admitting 
I don't know anything about this. Yeah. I think part of it is learned lessons. Um, and part of it is you are never as good as people tell you you are. Mm. And you're never as bad as people tell you you are. Mm. You have to keep that in mind. Don't read the press. Uh, don't fall into it. I've been at times, I've been to conferences where, you know, I feel like I'm the, I'm the guy, the, the main guy in the room and people are coming up. Wow. Hey, whatever. Right. Uh, and, and that feels good. I've been at conferences where I feel like, you know, a big pile of poop and I'm not the guy, I'm not, <laughs> nobody said, you know, I mean, the truth, I've been yeah. on sports teams where I've been the best player and I've been on sports teams where I've been the worst player. Right. There's humility in that. There's learning on both sides of that. So I, I think you have to realize that. And I think, you know, I've learned lessons. I've seen where different leaders have faltered. I, I remember a leader that I had worked with years ago. Uh, and I, and this leader was having a problem in what was succeeding in, in a lot of areas of the business. One area of the business he was really struggling in. And there was another leader who was really excelling in that one area. And I remember that that leader was really hesitant and resistant to talking to the other leader because overall he was ranked higher mm. than, than she was. And I realized what a flaw that was because, right. okay, if you're not willing, this person, granted, you've got everything else going, but this person is better than you and has figured it out in this one area. Right. Why would you not learn from right. that? Why would you not? So ego gets in our way. Ego is the biggest enemy and roadblock that people face to achieving their potential. They right. think they're too good. Um, and they're, they're not willing to open themselves up. They're not willing to be vulnerable. They're not willing to say, Hey, I have no idea what I'm doing here. You got to teach me. Um, you know, that's what great people do. They ask questions. They ask for help. And that's what you got to do. We talk about how ego is the enemy. Your ego is either telling you you're better than you are or that you're worse than you are. Mm -hmm. And when you take action, that perception becomes, it meets reality and you get the truth. Kevin and I talk a lot about driving to five. He tends to think he's worse. Like I bet you before that meeting with him, about podcasting, you're almost 300 episodes in. You're the expert in that room, but I bet you you still had the self doubt of like, do I know enough to be here? I think I always, I think I always do. Like I used to tell Alan, I was really good at baseball. I thought I was getting lucky all the time, mm -hmm. like because I never, I never consciously set. When we started the podcast, I never set out. I didn't want to be a speaker. I didn't know I was going to be a coach. I never set like I'm going to make it to episode 1,000. I never, I never did that. So I think building confidence is saying you'll do something and then doing it. Mm -hmm. right. Like you said, I you built confidence by getting that home, hitting that home run. Why? Because you said, I'm going to get a hit. It went from I'm going to strike out mm -hmm. to imagine if you did hit the home run when you thought you were going to strike out. Yep. You would have felt like probably like you got lucky Right. versus when mm -hmm. you decided in advance to do it. Can mm -hmm. you explain to him what the drive to five is? Just right. So, he knows? so the drive to five, and for any new listeners out there as well, the drive to five is picture zero to 10 and five is the middle. The zero end is people who really don't believe in their own potential enough, in my opinion, and they, they haven't chosen in advance what they want and then prove to themselves they can get it, um, so they haven't built a lot of confidence, so they're in the zero. That's Kevin. He just hey, thought he was lucky. Take it easy. Sorry. It easy. <laughs> Kevin, before the podcast, <laughs> before he just thought he got lucky right at baseball, yeah. even though you were an all-star. Yeah. All-star baseball player, one of the best in our whole high school, still just thought you got lucky. Right. What? Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Whereas other people on my end, the delusional end, this is what we call delusion, folks, is people who believe in themselves so much that even when they're not taking action, they still think they're great. Mm. These are the people that think they know. Yeah. So they don't seek help. Yeah. That's that what you just described with the leader who didn't go find that other leader who's clearly better in that arena. Exactly. And I deal with self-delusional people all the time. It's the worst. And that's mm -hmm. why I make sure I don't be that person. But what drive to five is, is when you take massive action, perception becomes reality. The people who were delusional realize they're not that great. Right. Mm -hmm. When I went and saw Brendan Burchard speak for the first time, I came back humbled. Oh, wow. He's next level right. i have work to do mm -hmm. coincidence a year later after putting in all the work now i'm like oh wow i'm ready yeah. so it's a whole thing but kevin's end when he goes to brendan burchard and in that room he finds oh my god i'm actually ahead of the game compared to what i thought right. i have more clarity than most of these after people after our event i was on cloud nine yeah. oh i was and humbled. alan was humbled he was humbled we all just right yeah. when you know yourself mm -hmm. so like where would you say I mean, that's obviously a brief description. Right. Right. But obviously, so zero is lacking confidence. 10 is arrogant. Yeah. Five is, you know, you don't know. So you, you're there with that. Uh, you're not afraid to ask for help. Mm -hmm. You're 
but you know you can do it. You know you can do it eventually. And yeah. you take action regardless. Yeah. Even if you know it's not going to be ideal, you take mm-hmm. action because you know there is a lesson in feedback. Yeah. So from that basic understanding, where yeah. do you think you fall on the drive to five? Well, I hope I hope I'm at a five, meaning that you know I'm at the point where <laughs> I would I, say I'm so. Not, yeah. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not overconfident or arrogant, and not, uh, you know, and still have a, a good amount of confidence. I think a, a few things. Um, it comes down to you've got to focus number one on the progress versus perfection. I think that's one thing that people miss. So, you know, you guys look at your first podcast versus your recent ones. Brutal. And uh, there's a difference. <laughs> You've made progress every single one. Right, yeah. Your audience is building. You guys are better and better. Your content, everything. Um, and that's what it's all about. So I think some people, when they focus, they, they focus too much on the gap between their current state and where they're trying to get to, which might be, hey, you know, I want to be uh, known. I want to be world famous. I want to be the, the number one speaker in the world. I want to be. Um, and, and that's great to have those goals and aspirations. But that can if you live in that reality, current state versus the ideal state and spend all your mental energy in that time. Wow. Can that be demoralizing? Oh, yeah. And it can really set you back. So you have to go back and look at where that progress mm. is. Um, and realize, listen, all the greats, the people that were at the top, they were, they were in my shoes. They were, they were at a starting point, right? And they figured out, they started doing things. The other thing you have to be comfortable with is, uh, massive action, uh, is going to create success and it's going to create failure. So you just have to know that in the, the, the best case scenario, if you are stuck or you're not doing anything or you're just not going anywhere, you're in a plateau just take action, take massive action. Even if it's wrong, you're right. still getting closer because you're feedback. making some progress. You're getting feedback. And that's where people, they, they, when they start to experience roadblocks or things, they, they get in, you know, clogged up mentally and physically and they just they sit and they, they start to try and think about what's happening or maybe this, and they overthink. Mm. And before you know it, it's paralysis by analysis versus the true champions of the people that just they keep pushing keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And then they figure it out. What's your, what has been your biggest quote unquote failure that has taught you the biggest lesson? So on the way here, we drove by the Stowe, uh, the mass, the Massachusetts firefighting Academy, whatever it is, MFA. I was a firefighter. I tried to be one and I didn't ask enough questions in that very building. Mm -hmm. And when I first got to a fire, my first live fire, I had no idea what to do. That was the last day I felt like I could be a firefighter, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of my biggest failures, quote unquote, but it taught me the lesson of speak up because mm-hmm. if you don't do it you know, behind the scenes, you're never going to be able to do it when the, the light's on. Yeah. So for you, and a lot of people would say, say like, that's a failure. Like you spent a year in the fire academy and you didn't do it. Like that's a failure. Well, I learned a ton of lessons. Yeah. So for you, what, what could be misconstrued as a failure that taught you a giant lesson that you carry with you every day of your life? You know, I think... Uh... <laughs> I've had a ton of failures. Um, it's hard to pick just one. I, I've had a few. I think you know. I was, I was telling you guys uh, one of them. I've made a lot of decisions that I look back on that were bad decisions. Mm. <laughs> At that time, it was like okay, opening up that office made sense. Then you look back, you're like, okay, that was that was dumb. Uh, High confidence it, plus low awareness, right? <laughs> you know, or you, you have you, you that long term decision is is based on short-term things and okay that doesn't that doesn't work um so there's been a lot of examples like that or or putting certain people into roles that uh you know that was clearly not the right role and for some reason i convinced myself that that was that was right (laughs) uh you know for myself though i think you know one of my most memorable ones was getting on stage we were talking about this earlier in front of 70 people and um Lori having a panic attack in front of the stage. I had to run out of the room. Um, not the type of experience you think back to and say, wow, that was, that was cool. That was a hard, hard, hard experience. Yeah. You literally left the stage like at the beginning. Yeah. I, I literally could feel the beginnings of a panic attack coming. I was, I was asked to present for good reason. I had had a lot of success 
in the last year with the office that I was running. So I was asked to speak in front of all the other leaders in the region. Right. Uh, so I was being asked to speak for a good reason and it was, should have been something I enjoyed, but, um, I felt this panic attack start to come on and come on. And sure enough, I got to the top, to the state, I could feel my heart beating. I was sweating. I was red. I was, I, I got in front of this group and, uh, looked out, uh, to the audience and, and I couldn't even breathe, let alone speak. And, um, all I could think to do was, and people are looking at me out of concern now, all I could think to do was turn around. There was a whiteboard behind me and I just started writing on the whiteboard. To, to this day, I have no idea what I was writing for like 20 seconds, just trying to buy time and yeah. calm myself down. And it didn't work. I, I turned around still facing everybody, unable to speak for about 10 seconds. And I just ran out of the room. Literally. I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. And, uh, wow. it was unbelievable. Like I, I went to the bath, to the bathroom. I didn't think I had anything to do or go any place to go. They must've taken a break cause they didn't know what to do. So, so the people that were watching me now came into the bathroom. Mm. I was in the stall pretending like I was throwing up because I just, all I could think of was like to tell everybody I had a stomach ache, but, uh, mm. you know, it was horrible, you know? And, and again, I, I, that to me was such a, a failure because I had overcome up to that point a lot of my other panic attacks. But I look back and that was a great thing. That was actually a turning point for me. I didn't know it at that time. Steve Jobs always says, or used to say, you can't connect the <laughs> dots moving forward. You can always connect them looking back. Mm. This is one of those I can connect the dots because what that forced me to do, that I got angry at myself. I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. You stopped tolerating it from yourself yeah. and you knew you had to fix the problem. I'm like, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to fix this problem. Right. I don't care how many audiences I have to get in front of. I don't care how many more times this is going to happen. I'm going to keep doing it until I never deal with this problem again. Right. Why? Why did you have that response instead of speaking is not for me? Right. I, I, partly because I had overcome a lot of other situations and panic attacks and I either had a decision at that point, it was going to rule my life mm. and ruin my life, or I was going to overcome it. And, um, I just, sometimes when you get your back up and your back is against the wall and you just don't give yourself any other choice right. to succeed and you say, okay, I will go through whatever pain it takes. I will get in front of more audiences and I will have a, I will risk having a panic attack and have more of them if I need to. Because ultimately, I'm going to figure out how to How many stop. audiences have you gotten in front of with 70 people or more since then? If you had to just guess, just throw a guess out. Um, well, that the, uh, hundreds. Hundreds. I, I would say, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. for the listeners, this is like my bread and butter. I love saying this because that was deep emotional pain. Yeah. When we are in deep emotional pain, I believe this to be true. You can either escape it into a vice or develop a virtue. Mm -hmm. I believe the difference is belief in self. If you didn't believe in your own ability to change, you would have went to Netflix or went to marijuana or went to alcohol or went to any form of an escape, even if it was a relationship of neediness, instead of, I think it was self-belief. Mm -hmm. So if you're out there right now, if you have self-belief, remember that. Don't choose the vice, choose the virtue. If you don't have self-belief, get around someone who believes in you. Mm -hmm. And count the victories. Right. Yeah. The fact that you even got... like. That's the thing. The fact that you even got up on stage is a win. Right. We always say, like, when you're fear chasing, mm -hmm. if you go, if, if I'm afraid, so for me, it was like approaching women, right? So before I had an amazing girlfriend, I love you. Um, <laughs> that was one of my things. It's like, all right, if I see a beautiful girl, I'm going to go, I'm going to go introduce myself. Like, what's the worst that could happen? And for me, I had to say, like, it's not, it's not the result that matters. It's the action. The action of fear chasing matters more than the result. I've seen mm -hmm. him get rejected a few times. I've got, yeah, yeah. Got, definitely. Yeah. I've gotten rejected. It was awesome that you went and did it. I had a bad speech. Like, I, you know, it, it, th those mm -hmm. things have happened, but I always try to say like, okay, yeah. how do I get better? So mm -hmm. the first speech after that, what was that like? Right. Oh, because I'm nervous thinking about it. <laughs> it was a mess. I mean, I, I went, uh, it was... It was because it wasn't even just the next speech, but it was the next interaction. I thought I had regressed all the way back to right. to the times of not being able. I'm like, wow, this like just totally knocks me down on the ground. And um, mm. but I, I remember getting the office together. We did a, a monthly meeting and 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 that was really nerve wracking. It was less people. And it was my the people that had worked for me at that time. So it was less intimidating. But. I had it in my head. I'm like, okay, this is going to happen again. 
but what that allowed me to do was start to work on these little hacks. Um, you know, the things that would help me, like one of the things that would really create a, 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 uh, the beginnings of a panic attack was a feeling like I couldn't escape. Like, okay, I'm on stage. I can't escape or I put it in my head. Like I can't escape. So I started creating little, you know, breaks in my presentation. You know, I'd throw questions out to the audience and that would give me a couple seconds to kind of regroup. And it just the fact of knowing in my head that I could do that mm. relaxed me. It was a little escape hatch, so to speak. Right. So I just started figuring these things out. And when you start, the great thing about it is when you start to figure out, and this is all self-leadership, how to lead yourself through these tiny or big obstacles, even if it's a little thing, it sets the stage for overcoming the next obstacle. Right. You know, I talk to advisors all the time. I deal with some uh, people that are, that are in their early 20s. This might be their first career. And I say this, and they might be thinking about leaving the career. And they're thinking about leaving because they're not having success. Listen, nothing is fun when you're not good at it. Oh, yeah. Very few things. Are. So true. You like the things you're good at. You don't like the things you're not. Right. Right. But if the end goal is exciting to you and you really believe in your ability to do it, don't let your current state hurt, uh, uh, prevent you from doing that. Right. And the decision to bail now at an early age when you're struggling and quit it's less about this moment, but what it is going to do, it's going to wire you for right. and condition you for quitting every time you face an obstacle right. in your life. And the, uh, uh, the opposite happens when you start conditioning yourself that when you have a problem, you face it and you, you will keep going and face that problem and, and go through immense pain if you have to, if it's important enough for you and you mm. know you will overcome it. That wires you the other way. Yeah, you will build belief. Will, absolutely. And your right. confidence of being able to tackle obstacles goes up, you know, that's the biggest thing. Confidence is a great thing when you when it applies to giving you the ability to tackle the unknown and and tackle the uh, the uncomfort discomfort uh, obstacles that you're going to face. Hmm. Yeah. I wanted to ask a question. So, do you have? I don't want to cut you off. Oh, you're good. Okay. Go ahead. Man. Well, um, I do, but of course, yeah. Yeah. We, we, that, that means it's a good interview yeah, when we're, we're fighting for questions. Fighting for it. Good, yeah. <laughs> so, I think we talk about we talk about leadership in any number of ways: a sports team, a business, whatever. Right, whatever. How does and so I say I'll say does it and how does leadership carry over to an intimate relationship? Oh wow, that's better than my question. I think you know I think it does. I I think it comes down to you know uh, an intimate relationship is not one person leading the other, but it's um, it's understanding the other person. It's understanding yourself. It's having humility, uh, being vulnerable, being authentic, um, and it's really being self-aware. Um, you know, there. I think people sometimes lose grasp of the fact that you know they they have to they have to be um, the same way as a leader. You have to take time to understand people. And know what's important, know what's not, or know what what's important to them. You have to do that in a relationship mm. too, right? So you you have to take the time mm. to make sure that it's not about you, um, and, and you're understanding each other's goals and talking and communicating a lot. Um, and that I think is the basis for a great relationship. The same thing that you would ask a leader: Can I trust you? Do you care about me and can you help me? I think are the same questions you would ask in a relationship. Uh, you know, do I trust you? Of course, a ground zero, a basic, you know, foundation for the relationship. Right. Um, do you care about me? And then can you help me? I, I think a relationship is about those two people coming together and they each make each other better. Yeah. Right. You know, they make, the, they make <clears throat> each other better. Is that, in your opinion, dependent on, because I know you said self-leadership. Yeah. Right. I, I truly believe a successful relationship is when two people have good self leadership. That doesn't mean they lead businesses, mm -hmm. right? That means they lead their emotions. They don't make quick decisions based on impulse. They lead their impulsions. So my girlfriend set the toaster on fire. She set the toast on, uh, on fire inside uh -huh. the toaster. And <laughs> she was like blown away that I didn't freak out and get mad. And in my mind, it's like, well, this is like a safe place. Like you made a mistake. Yeah. So when I say like, I don't ever want it to like a relationship to be leadership, but I think you have to be so good at leading yourself yeah. that it's just like where, wherever I am, I want the people to know like they're safe there. 
Yeah. Like when you're with me, even if we're under the umbrella of business, right? right? With our team, like when they we had a rejection contest, whoever got rejected the most got a hundred dollar gift card to Target. Mm. We great. don't care that you get rejected. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like yeah. we care fine. that you tried. Right. You know, and, right. and Tiffany messaged me. Tiffany works with us. She said. I jeffed something. Jeffed means to screw up, basically. <laughs> poor, said, poor Jeff. <laughs> I jeffed something on the website, and this is why we didn't get any conversions. Cool. Don't worry about it. Now we know. Right. Yeah. Now we know. So I yeah. think being a good self-leader mm-hmm. is important. How do you, other than becoming aware, because I think awareness is the key to everything, but yeah. how do you know whether or not you're a good leader of self? I think part of it is um, you have to... Um, it's a great question. I, I think part of it is you have to really understand that, you know, leading yourself is admitting your own faults and mistakes. Um, it's being able to say, Hey, I screwed up. Mm. Um, it's not being, uh, hard on yourself. And it's also not being hard on other people when they make mistakes. I think one of the best things you can do is you make mistakes and you learn from it. Um, and, we're all going to do stuff that we look back on and we're like, geez, I shouldn't have done that. That was oh, dumb. Oh, for sure. And when you, when you have a relationship and you give each other, um, and whether it's a, a romantic, intimate relationship with a spouse or significant other or a relationship with a business partner or anything, you give each other room to screw up. Um, right. you, you apologize, you say when you're wrong and you, you, you don't, you're not too hard on each other. Mm-hmm. I just, I think that's really important. Um, and being willing to, to do that is all, that's what self-leadership is about. It's being able to say, Hey, I was wrong. Okay. Or I made a mistake or I didn't do this the best way. Uh, or Hey, listen, you know what? Uh, yeah, we, we went out and, and I wasn't really there. I wasn't present with you. Yes. It's being able to admit that kind of stuff. Um, it's, Hey, you know what? I know when I held that meeting, uh, I, it wasn't, it, well, I wasn't, didn't have my A game. Oh yeah. You know? Been Last, there. We got, so we have two questions that we ask everybody. We're coming up on the, on the oh, yeah. we are. Okay. Um, we have two, uh, two questions that we ask every guest mm-hmm. and I'll let Alan go first. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Um, so oh, I had another question that I, I wanted to ask, I, I, but we don't have time. So I will ask my question. Okay. So it's kind of cool. Cause I kind of already asked you this a little bit in terms of your, what your podcast, the acorn of your podcast. Mm-hmm. So I wear, uh, this necklace with a north star around it and while we grow and evolve and we change especially if we're focused on leadership lessons learned adaptation i think there's something about us that never changes so what about you never changed i think my my sense of who i am never changed um at, at the core, if that makes sense, my values, um, you know, that's always guided me. The things that really deep down when you strip away everything else that are most important, um, you know, that's the people that I love and, um, and you know, it's relationships, um, it's, it's creating, making an impact. Um, and those things help you stay true, you know, when you're going through the the really bad times, oh, yeah. um, you know, you kind of just go back to, okay, here's who I am at the core. Uh, I know I'm a person that's just going to keep going. And, um, I know that I'm going to have bad days and bad times and go through periods where they stink, they suck. And, uh, I know that things get better and that's uh, just, I've always had that mentality. So, um, I don't take the bad times as hard as they, they, other people might. Mm. Um, and I don't, I try not to take the good times too, um, you know, for granted, I guess, or, or I try, I try not to get too wrapped up in, in all the, you know, stoic stuff that yeah. comes <laughs> a good time. Um, so I guess keeping grounded, you know, I love it for the listeners real quick. What he was mentioning there about the tough times, you still saw that true North because when it's dark, you can see the stars mm-hmm. and that's the thing. Like, staying grounded to your core values and you said impact Mm -hmm. like i think if we have that we're gonna make it Mm. you know i think that's so powerful extra why it's motivation comes and goes but why power stays that always stays yeah i'm gonna switch my question Ah. i'm actually gonna add on to it because i had a i had a thought here so 
We have 90 to 150 years, if you're Alan, on this earth. <sighs> 120. And we get Sorry. to choose what we want to, you know, to do with that time. What do you hope to accomplish before you die? And who will you have to become in order to accomplish that? Mm-hmm. I want to... I want to be someone that people can look back on or look at as someone who really, really made a difference to them personally. Uh, It might be one thing that they did as a result of an interaction with me that they wouldn't have done otherwise or handle a situation. I just, I want to make people, I, I, I've always strived to, to, to make, to become a better person. And, uh, a big part of that is helping other people become better. And if you can leave people better than you found them, then uh, job accomplished. So I, I think for me, that would be, if I, I would love nothing more than to have a positive impact on millions of people. And I know there have been people that have had such a positive impact on me in my life. Right. And I am forever, uh, indebted to them. And uh, I, I just I want to help people become better versions of themselves because everybody can be. Mm. And you have to uh, realize that nobody's perfect and you're never going to stop growing. And growing is fun. Sometimes it's painful, but it's fun. <laughs> and uh, I want to help people do that in a better way and maybe even a more fun way. Who do you have to become in order to do that? I've never asked anybody that question, so I don't know. That was the second part. I don't even know if there's an answer, but <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a good... Because right now for you, like you're saying, the podcast and the book, like these are yeah. new things for you. Yeah. Do you anticipate yourself, can you anticipate any growing pains that you're projecting like in the future? Like, oh, this, this might happen. This may, you know, I might have to overcome this. I think uh, the challenge is how do you impact and touch so many lives and, and expand your reach uh, in a way that still allows you to stay true to who you are oh that's fire yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a challenge and a half uh, by uh, the way i, I, <laughs> I know you exactly. know that and yeah. it's, um, <laughs> i think that's the key thing how how can you get and reach more people and really really make the impact the same way as though you're having a face-to-face conversation with them right in a way where that might not be reality um, that's going to be the biggest challenge, I think, and that's that's. I think that's a great. Out. That's a great one. It's something we all struggle with. That's a big challenge in the digital world. We talk about that all the time. We mm-hmm. want the perception of us to be the same as the reality of us. I yeah. got some. I like got we right. want that is so hard to do it nowadays is. because right. the noise is sometimes. Perception I got some hacks shiny. for you though. Yeah, we're gonna. Okay. You're in the right yeah. room. Yeah, 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 you got. We got, got some, some help for that. Guys. If that's <laughs> your goal, he's your guy. All right. So speaking of being the guy. Oh yeah. Talk to us about. Your podcast, your book, what it's all about, and what people can expect from both of those different things. Absolutely. So uh, Tomorrow's Leader, which is the book that I'm working on right now, as well as the podcast, um, is really to the earlier conversation around how do you learn leadership? You know, I, I devoured books, and I always was left with these questions that I wanted to ask somebody. So I want to make learning leadership fun. I want to make it entertaining. I want to make it really doable um, and make it easy for people to tap into all these great leaders. So my vision and what this podcast is going to be all about is, is let's, let's bring the best leaders to the table. Let me tap into some of the best minds that I can and help bring that to the audience, help Mm -hmm. people get a really fun, easy way to learn leadership. And my goal to what I'd said before is I want to have them leave the podcast better than they came in. Okay, here's one thing I can use tomorrow, whether it's leading myself as self-development, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's at the workplace, this is something that actually is meaningful, and I learned it in a fun, memorable way. Mm. I'm a big storyteller. I love to tell stories, yes. so I'd love to get that out of uh, the, um, you know, pr- pr- provide that in the podcast and bring that out in guests, just like you guys have done a great job asking me great questions. Appreciate that. Gets that. Me into telling stories. Um, so that's you. what it's all about. You know, fun, fun thing for me because it helps me learn. Um, and gives me an opportunity to talk to great leaders and great people and uh, share that with the audience. I can't wait to see it grow and evolve. You're far ahead of where most people are when they start. I'll I'll let you know that. I I noticed that from the first time I saw you speak, but even being on here today, this is, if you've never been a guest on a podcast, it's not easy. 
it, it is pretty difficult when people are hammering you with questions that you most likely, if we're doing our job, you've never been asked before. Right. So I commend you, and I think you did an amazing job. You thank survived you. the hyperconscious gauntlet. You did. I love it. You if, guys are awesome. If you, thank you. Thank Appreciate you. It. We're words of affirmation, guys. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you so yeah. much. We'll t- let's take that 10-second clip, and we'll put it on repeat with, with some background music. No, but 10-second blip for the listeners, if you were going to leave them with one 10-second thing to take home and, and use in their life, what would it be? Leadership is learnable. I mean, start with yourself and learn to overcome these little types of things. That's all it is, is leadership. How do you take the little, everybody's dealing with some kind of issue, some kind of, um, you know, something they're dealing with. Take one little step and work on that yourself on how you can overcome that. And don't be afraid to ask for help. It's out there. Fire. Fire. When's the uh, podcast dropping? I got looking at a couple weeks. I got to lock you so, in. <laughs> you're holding me accountable to that, right? You got to. Yep, absolutely. Gotta. You got it. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was the one and only John Larito. We hope you enjoyed and we will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Thanks. Lead on.